I'm not used to all these electronical things. Electronical is not even a word. <coughs> well, what's up, everybody? Good to be here with you. Welcome, New Hope Baptist Church. Welcome, New Village Church. And if you're visiting with us, uh, thanks so much for coming out. I'm glad to be able to see and meet so many of you. Um, this month's going to be very, very exciting and interesting. And I um, hope that during the month we'll know the Lord's direction. I hope the Lord speaks to us. I hope, hope at the very least the Lord unites our hearts together as servants and brothers and sisters in Christ. I'll give you just a little bit of, of um, what our church does. If you're wondering what the bagels, if you're from New Village or a visitor, um, we usually do bagels and fruit and like cheese and stuff like that after the service and coffee. Because one of my thoughts and visions, and it's not mine alone, obviously, a lot of churches do it, but I like um, the people to spend as much time with each other as possible. Um, I always love the people who linger long after the service and build those friendships and bond together. And so that's the intent, not just to feed your belly, but also to encourage fellowship, to encourage togetherness, to encourage uh, you to be, just be able to make some friends in the Lord that way. And, and hopefully um, this month we can be able to do that. I'll give you a few announcements because some of the announcements will um, correspond to both churches. For since I think it was July... Um, we have been doing our evening Sunday evening service and our Thursday night services here. And that was a way to um, both bless New Village, but also to um, have our church be together with yours as well. And so tonight we'll be here back at 6 o'clock, and um, we will be back in the book of 2 Kings. We've been going through the Old Testament. We're in 2 Kings right now. And um, also what's unique about Sunday night services compared to the other services is that on Sunday night we do testimony time. And so that's any way that the Lord may have been blessing you or something that, that uh, you want to praise God for openly, and we kind of um, share that together. Um, then on Thursday nights, we'll be here at 7 o'clock, and we meet in the back prayer room, and that's been just a sweet time. We're going through the Gospel of Luke there, and we take prayer requests and pray together on that particular night as well. And so Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Thursday night is what we're normally accustomed to, and each service is different. So there's not these repetitive services where you're preaching the same sermons. Um, it's to be able to uh, do the whole counsel of God together. It's to be able to learn as much, to grow close to the Lord, and grow close to each other. Uh, we eat more than uh, a, one day a week uh, at home. And we need to eat more than one day a week in the Lord and, and, and from the Word of God. And certainly we should be in the devotions and in the Word at home. But there is something wonderful about togetherness also. The other announcement um, that I'll take note of, that take note of for New Village as well, is I want to reemphasize every year for the last, uh, this will be our 12th year, we've done a soup and bonfire dessert fellowship um, sometime in October. And this year it will be October 23rd. And uh, really, it's just, a, it's just a time of fellowship. So invite whoever you like. We'll start getting around 5.30, setting up. Make a soup if you can. Um, if you can't, come. I'd rather you there than a soup, but I'll take you and a soup and a dessert if you can. And uh, bring all kinds, of, you know, people bring all kinds of soup, and it's just a sweet time. You can invite neighbors, friends, anybody. It works as a great time of fellowship, but it also works as a great time to be able to invite somebody who may not be that comfortable going into a church service but they can be around believers and rub shoulders. And their conclusion often is, wow, those people are more normal than I suspected them to be. And I don't know what that says about us and our reputation. They expect us to be a bunch of uh, weirdos. Uh, and maybe some of us are, but uh, at the very least, it'll give them some opportunity to just that. And, and every year, there's always questions and gospel sharing just casually as it comes up. And so I do want to invite and encourage and implore everybody in here to consider coming and that'll be in a couple weeks it's saturday october 23rd and that'll be at our church and maybe you never saw our church building before and you want to come see it 
um, and, and we'd love to have you and bring whoever you want. And it's kind of drop in, drop out. So you, you, know, you can stay the whole time. You can come in for an hour. You can come in at 7 if you want, whatever time. But the later you come, all the good soups are gone in the, more, in the early part. So don't want to miss that. Um, you want to come out for that. So that's October 23rd. The other thing to note for New Hope Baptist is for the month of October, um, not only will we be here on Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., um, but they, our teen night will be switched to Tuesday nights for the month, just the month of October. Our teen group will be Tuesday night, same time, 7 to 10, at um, New Hope Baptist Church. Right before the service, uh, uh, Mr. Camelloni and, uh, wanted me to know, and I'm passed the invitation to our people at New Hope, um, they have a time at 9.30, it's kind of like informal time of just going through the Psalms together, and so that's in the back prayer room. And so, um, New Hope, uh, you've been invited. If you would like to come and, um, and, and share in like kind of a Bible study, Sunday school type of uh, thing, uh, you can do that. And that's, again, 9.30 a.m. every Sunday, at least while we're here in the month of October. Well, those are all the announcements that I can remember. And so if I think of anything else, I'll let you know. Oh, one last thing. Uh, New Hope, at the end of the service, a new village is going to be partaking in the Lord's Supper um, as we're doing this service together, it will run under the joint authority of both churches, and so feel free to partake in the Lord's Supper. Um, if you do not want to take it, that's up to you, but I do, don't want you to feel uneasy about it. You certainly can, and in invite you to if you would like to. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Numbers, chapter number 13. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. And I want to tell you, I'm, I'm really excited for what the Lord has for us this month. I, I don't know what he has. I'm not a prophet. I don't believe in, in, in knowing all of those. I just want to be in the Lord's will. But at the very least, we get to be in the Word of God together, and that is exciting. And, and I hope that you find the joy in that as well. Let's open up in a word of prayer, and we'll look right at this in just a minute. But Numbers chapter 13. Father, once again, we come to you now needing your grace, Father. Lord, I know that, and you know that, I absolutely need your filling. I need your anointing. Um, Father, I need to be emptied of myself that I might be filled with you. Lord, I pray for the anointing of each person here that their ears would be in tune, would be anointed to listen. Father, to be understanding. Father, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. And so, Father, we pray for your presence to be readily known. And Father, we know that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to unknown. So, Lord, we just pray now that the Spirit of God would lay hold the Word of God that we might understand it in our lives and apply it. And, Father, what you have, may you guide us, may we follow you. May we, Lord, be forgiven our sins, Lord, that we have come, that we might be cleansed before you and receive your Word. Speak to us now in a way that only you know, uh, only the way you know how. And, Lord, we pray that the name of Jesus would be glorified and that we'd be led by the Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever wonder what it might be like if we were there to see the early miracles of, Jesus, uh, of God rather, in the wilderness wandering with Moses? As he's coming out of Egypt, right? As God sends him to Egypt, at, at being a murderer, right? He sends him back in there and declare unto Pharaoh, let my people go. And then before the, the eyes of everybody there, the miracle of the plagues begin to happen. And certainly, there's no doubt the magicians try to fabricate some of their own, but they're seeing these miracles, right? They're seeing the frogs. They're seeing the blood turn to water. They're seeing the, the cattle. All of these things, and the pinnacle of it, the death of the firstborn. And Pharaoh finally says, let the people go. 
And then as Moses is leading what, what is estimated to be over a million people total, with the help of Aaron and some of the other elders as they're going there, and now the whole army decides that they are, they've changed their mind and they're going to kill Israel. And Israel's pinned up against the Red Sea. Now imagine if you're one of these people and you see this, and all of a sudden, the power of God through Moses, the Red Sea parts, and the people walk over on dry ground. A few million people. And then as they get across, the army begins to cross, and the walls of the sea break down, and everybody there drowns. Every single person there drowns. To see that miracle, to be able to, to watch it and observe it and see the power of God, what would that have been like? What would it have been like that when they were so thirsty that God sends water from a rock, to be so hungry, not knowing what to do, needing food for your family, especially your little ones. And then the promise and the provision of manna comes, and God literally feeding people from the heavens. What would it have been like to see the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, to be able to follow it, to be able to see it, to be able to witness firsthand the miracles and the power in that kind of intense way? to see the great things that God did, we would conclude, man, that would strengthen our faith, wouldn't it? I mean, to see all of that, we would never waver in faith if we saw God that powerful. Or would it strengthen our faith? You do realize that when God does such miracles, our faith is supposed to be strengthened. You do realize that, that we can take into account the miracles that God's already done to help us believe what God can do in the future. That's how it's supposed to do. And as you look back in your own life, I hope you can start to tally the different things that God did in your life. The different Red Sea crossings He's brought you through. The different miracles of provision, the different manna provisions that He's given to your family specifically, your story. And that's supposed to strengthen your faith just like all of these things were supposed to strengthen Israel's faith. So the, by the time we get to Numbers 13, Israel has already seen the plagues. They've already seen the Red Sea part. They've already dr drunk from the water of the rock. They've already eaten manna. They've been following the cloud and the pillar of fire. Now they're brought to the precipice of the promised land, and God wants them to cross over into the promised land. He's got it for them. He's prepared it for hundreds of years since before the time when he eventually revealed it to Abraham. Now hundreds of years later, God's brought them out of Egypt, miraculously, right to the precipice of the promised land. And he says, it's going to be time to go in. But before, first this, Numbers 13, verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. God tells Moses, Go send out some spies and search the land that I have given you. Notice that, though. That's a key phrase there. He says, I want you to go search the land, but I've already given you this land. This is a formality. I want you to go out, I'm giving this land to you, but I want you to send spies, and, and there's a particular logistic uh, of a certain amount of people that are to go from each tribe. Go there, everyone, one man from every tribe, and so Moses obeys. Verse number 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is. 
and the people that dwelt therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, what, is the, what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether they're in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether it be wood therein or not, be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first uh, striped grapes. So Moses says, I want you to go out there. Moses doesn't know what it looks like. He only knows that God said, this is it. Here's the present that's going to be yours. Here's what God's cultivated for them. But God says, Moses, before I give you the land, I've already given it to you, but before you take hold of it, go send out spies. And, 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 and Moses does. He says, go find out how many people are there, what kind of people are there. Are they strong? Are they weak? Uh, what are we dealing with here? Are we dealing with feeble people? Or are we dealing with warriors? Go find out the cities. Are they big and strong? Or are they kind of ruinous? Um, go look at the land. Is it, is it able to be farmed uh, or not? Like, well, what is it all like? We, we've been slaves and now we're nomadic uh, for a bit. Uh, so what, what does it look like? How, how is it going to be? Are there walls around the city? Are there people? Who are they? Go find out that we might know how to occupy it. Verse 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the sons of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eskel, Eskel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff, and, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. And the place called the brook Eskel, because the clusters of grapes with the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, and all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So the spies come back after 40 days with an amazing harvest. They cut off some grapes, like one cluster. The clusters were so large of the grapes of Eskel. If you ever heard that in any of the patriotic songs, the grapes of Eskel. They, they, uh, Eskel, they, they were so big that one cluster had to be carried between a staff of two men, carried like this as they hung down. Imagine the size of those grapes there. To be carried by two men on a stick, they found pomegranate and some figs and all sorts of fruit. And they finally get it back to Moses and they give him a report. And it's obvious to all around the great fruit that this land could be, the great potential, what it already is producing. And now with us occupying it, what God's hand could do upon it together, man, that would be awesome. And they admit that certainly this is the land that flows with milk and honey. So I can imagine as they're giving this report, Moses begins to smile and says, oh, yeah. And the people of Israel begin to listen, and they're saying, really? This is exciting. This is, man, this is tremendous. I can't believe this. Uh, we, we've been starving as slaves in Egypt and all the labor that we had to do that wasn't for ourselves. It was, it was for them and their pagan gods, and, and God delivered us from that. And, and even for this short time that we've been wandering in the wilderness and we've had to rely on God and God's sending this manna from heaven and water from a rock and, and he's taking care. Now we're going to do it. Yeah, finally. This is tremendous. The best. We've been waiting for this. 
God's given this to us to possess, and I can imagine the excitement of the people in the hearts of the people. But then, look at verse 28. Nevertheless, don't you love when when the Bible says, nevertheless, that's like saying, it's really awesome, but when you hear that, you start to get, I knew it was too good to be true. Okay, what? Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites. They dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So here comes the, it's an awesome, Moses, it's awesome. You've never seen fruit like this. I mean, we brought back some, look at the size of these grapes. It is the most amazing land we've ever seen. But, there's three problems. Number one, they have more people than us. They have the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites. They have, they have a lot of people, a lot. And not only that, but they have walls around their city, Moses. Moses, we are a lot in number, but we're slaves and women and children and cattle. And they have lots of more people. They have armies and they have walls around their city. What what are we going to do? And by the way, the children of Anak are there. And you're going to find out the children of Anak are like giants. Later on, it will say, in, in their sight, we're like grasshoppers. We have a problem. We can't do this. Because the children of Anak, they're too big. And the, all the ites, right? The Jebusites, Hittites, Canaanites. There's too many people. And they got walls. Think the wall of Jericho. That's going to be the first one later on. They have too many walls. What are we going to do? It's a nice idea. It sounds wonderful. But, but we can't do it. Forget it. It's suicide. It's not a good idea. It's, it's silly. It's a bad plan. It's a bad plan. And I can imagine everybody going from excitement like, yes, we can do this, to I knew it was too good to be true. I wonder how many of you, like me, have to fight off the cynical nature. Because when something looks too good to be true, we immediately imagine it has to be. Nope, things can't work out nice. Why? Because this is life and nothing works out nice in life. You ever fight that cynical nature? You ever fight that attitude of like, waiting for the other shoe to drop. I fight it all the time. I don't know if I'm the only one. I fight it all the time like, it's not going to work out, right? And here the people come. We can't do it. The spies come back. But then as I just read, one of the spies says, shh, shh, shh. Enough. Enough. Verse 30 again. The Bible says, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. A man named Caleb. Now you understand that in the Old Testament, the first names of people often spoke about the person a whole lot, their personality, their heart for God. Now the name Caleb, one of the definitions of it means dog and more along the lines of a vicious mad dog. And so if you can uh, try to get the personality of Caleb he's kind of like this ferocious mad dog nothing he's not afraid of anything let's do it 
We're not, we're not waiting here. Let's go, let's go right now. What are we waiting for? We got back. Well, you guys are all afraid. I mean, I saw the grapes of escrow. I saw God say, it's ours. Let's do it. What in the world are we waiting for? He says, we are well able to overcome it. Do you see that phrase, well able? That means it's not even remotely going to be a challenge. We're going to slaughter them. Let's do it. Oh, wait a second. I thought that the report was that all these cities and sh uh, strong enemies and strong cities and walls and the children of Anak, the giants, and Caleb says, absolutely, yes, I know all of those exist there, and they're all legitimate reasons to be concerned. And yes, they would cause many people to fear. This is not irrational fears, by the way. Do you realize that? They are real reasons to consider. The, the walls are a problem. We have to kick everyone out, but they're stuck inside their big walls. And there's a lot of them, and they're warriors. That's tough. And they got these kind of UFC giants over there that are ready to kill people. Like, They're not irrational fears. So when Caleb says, we are well able, he's not overconfident. He's not unaware of the risk. He's not unaware of the problems. And he's not even unsympathetic of what they're saying. But he says, we can absolutely do this. And let me tell you why. Because God is on our side. And you know what the Bible says, if God be for us, who could be against us? Now we look around, we're feeble, we're fickle, we're frail. We are people who look around and we start measuring the cost and we start considering all the reasons why we can't do something that God wants us to do. Why? Because I don't know about you, but I know I'm a failure. No one has to remind me of that. I know I can't. I know I will blow it. I know I will not be able to do it. And so if, if there's a task and I'm like, oh, can I do it or not? The answer is probably no. But that's a big difference in saying God saying, do it. Because now I'm not on my own to do it. I have God to do it. And the Bible says, if God be for us, who could be against us? We sing the old hymn, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And now they're left at this big challenge, and we have one loudmouth Caleb, and we have a bunch of others who are in this contest of, do it. And they're saying, no, we can't. Did you not see all these things? And Caleb's like, no, 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 we can do it. Come on. we got to get the morale up. God's on our side. God's on our side. And Christian, if I can remind you of this, I know the last year and a half, two years, have been really difficult for a lot of people. And we can look around and we can look at the climate of the Christian culture. We can look at the climate of, 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 the, of the culture of the world. We can look at all that COVID did. We can look at all the um, administrations out there that are making all kinds of things that we're like, what's going on? And I can promise you, no matter how bleak it is, and I can promise you, no matter how dark the future is, you always remind yourself of this, that we are on the winning side. You can read the end of the book, and you know he comes back, and he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and there's not a single enemy out there that can even touch the garment of his robe and do something about it. He's sovereign. He wins. And we get to be on his side. And that means we ought to be excited to be able to serve him because we win. We're on the, everybody likes, everyone liked the Patriots, right? Tonight's going to be an interesting game. Tampa Bay versus the Patriots. Brady returns home and Belichick hates him, right? Big NFL story. 
When the Patriots were winning, a lot of people loved the Patriots. In the 90s, everyone loved the Bulls. In my day and age, everyone loved Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Most days, people like the Yankees, right? They like being on the winning side. It's, it, it's fair weather fan. It, it, it's a bandwagon fallacy. We get to be on the winning side, and it's of truth. We win because God wins. And Caleb understood that, and so when Caleb's like, let's do it, all he is doing is saying, guys, the children of Anak make us look like grasshoppers, but God makes them look like a flea. And those walls look big to us. God can just go, and it's gone. Matter of fact, you know what's going to happen later on. God's going to come up with this really, really weird plan. I want you to march around. One day, time a day, seven days, and on the seventh day, march around seven times, and I want you to blow trumpets. And the trumpets are going to knock all the walls down. That sounds like the stupidest plan I've ever heard in the history of the world. You go around a building, you start doing that. I want this building to go down, you blow a trumpet, nothing's going to happen. But with God, a trumpet breaks down some of the biggest walls. And by the way, remember this, that in the, the walls of Jericho, Rahab lived inside of it, which means that you could have a house inside the walls. That's how thick they were. Chariots would, would ride across them. Watchmen would be set in towers. These weren't fences. They weren't just one brick wide walls. They were giant, massive walls hollowed out. And why? Because God. Because God. And that's what Caleb realizes. And he hasn't even seen that yet. He said, we could not get past the Red Sea. And what happened? God. And we could not eat in the wilderness. And what happened? God. And we had nothing to drink. And what happened? God. And now we're here and God's saying go. And now we're like, no. Do you not remember what just happened? Look at verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land, though which we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we are, were in their sight. The other ten say, what don't you understand, big mouth Caleb? We can't do this. They're stronger than us. They have the walls. And did you not see the size of those people there? Did you not see that? I don't understand. You're nuts. You're overconfident. You speak out of turn. Be quiet. It can't happen. It can't. No, no. That was the people. That was the ten of them. No. He just hushed the people. He tried to build the morale. Now what happens most of the time? When you have a crowd and there's ten verse two. We didn't get to the other guy yet. 10 verse 2, 10 usually wins out. But let me also, let me also show forth something too. More often than not, even in, amongst the people that follow God, if we're going to have a contest of fear or faith, unfortunately, which, which side often wins out? Fear. I can probably instill in your heart more fear than I can faith. Because faith takes 
um, that is scary, and I'm afraid to do it, and it looks dangerous, and I have rational fears about it. So let's be safe and not. That's fear. No one's going running, hiding behind. Nope. But I, or to say, we can do, we can tell, we can do anything. A few people jump onto the, we can do anything with the Lord. And we all love to say that until it becomes tested. And we all love to say, we can do anything with the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we go out and step by faith and we're like, wait a second. Um, Peter, why don't you go out and walk on the boat? Um, you go and walk on the water. And even when we start like Peter, right, we start walking on the water and all of a sudden we change our mind or we get nervous or we look around and we say, oh, what's going on? And we begin to sink. So the people are, let's go. They went like this. Think of the emotional roller coaster, right? The land that flows with milk and honey. We can't do it because of the enemy. Yes, we can, Caleb says. No, we can't. Are you nuts? They're up and down. And it was... The thing that energized Caleb so much, because he knew who God was, their emphasis is on who the enemy was and what the circumstances were and why we can't. And Caleb's mindset was who God was and why we can and what God could do. There's a big, mighty difference there, isn't there? If you start measuring why we can't, and you start measuring the enemy, and you start measuring the circumstances minus faith, we will never, ever go far, further for God because it will always find a reason in our flesh not to because it's a, it's a fearful thing. Don't think for a second, I'm not talking to myself here, a whole bunch too. A whole bunch. More than you would ever know. It's a big thing to say, Okay, God, regardless of what's being said, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the fear, every day I'm going to be like this. Don't you think God wants you to be involved in things that only he can accomplish so you have no other choice but to rely on him day by day and not on yourself? How many times is it said in the New Testament, when things become impossible for man, they become possible for God? He specializes in the impossibility. Caleb understood that. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Did you see that? They lifted up their voice, and they began to cry and weep that night. Why? Because fear won out. They sold, their expectations were high. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, the book of Proverbs says. Their expectation was promised land. Now it's no. No. Too scary. No. And that's not like we're going to Disney World. No, we're not. That would be very disappointing. I'd be really upset if that happened to me. Because I love Disneyland. But this is promised land. Or, or here's a better idea, let's go walk in the desert and not have anything to eat, right? Somehow, their heart is destroyed, and they're crying, and they're weeping, and they're sad. These ten spies had won out. They had discouraged the people. They had caused the people to lose faith in God, not to, to embrace faith, but to reject faith, to 
to stop faith and, and embrace fear. Embrace circumstances. Embrace flesh. Look at verse 2. <clears throat> and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into the land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return to Egypt. Are you hearing this? <clears throat> they went from cloud nine. They went from precipice of promised land. <clears throat> Somebody said, we can't do this. Now look what they say. Notice this. You're absolutely right. We can't do this. God's, God's a shyster. He brought us out here to kill us. He, he's not for us. This was a trick. This was a scam. He's going to bring us to the promised land that we die and they take our wives and our children. This is a terrible idea. <coughs> I wish we would have died in the wilderness. I wish we would have died in Egypt. I hate Moses. And I hate Aaron. They brought us here. Let's find someone who will lead us back into Egypt. We'll go back. We'll surrender. We'll become slaves again because at least we know this other business here, God's, God's trying to pull the wool over our eyes. He's trying to get us. As horrible as that sounds, and it is horrible, I wonder if you and I have ever felt that way before. Can I admit to you, I have. Can I admit to you, I've felt like, all right, God, are you leading me here so you can squash me now? I've thought that way. And I'm ashamed that I have, and I repent of that. And it's the way the flesh acts. It's the way, it's the way our cynical nature acts. It's the way our fear acts. It, it grabs hold and says, if we trust God, he'll do bad to us. And sometimes he'll even use reality. Because I'll be like, I know I deserve God's judgment. And so God's going to bring me along so he can judge me, because I know I deserve it. And then passages like this come in and God's saying, are you serious? And I'll be like, sorry, God. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to be one of the ten spies. I really don't, Lord. Please forgive me. I will trust you, Lord. I will trust you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David keeps reminding himself of that. Okay, I will, Lord. They're accusing God. They're thinking that God, it would have been better to die because they really feel like God's going to wipe them out. Think of how evil it is, right? I got this gift for you, this promised land, and it's really a weapon of destruction. That would be absolutely Luciferian. That would be satanic. That's what the devil does. Comes as an angel of light, but, but seeks to destroy Remember this too, what John 10 says. It says that the thief comes to break through and steal and destroy, but I've come to give life and life more abundantly. God's not coming here to, to trick you, to ruin you. Now, he may not make you rich with mansions in earth, but I promise you, if you're a believer, he's got that all settled in heaven. 
But he's not here to ruin your life. He's a good, good father. Every good gift is from the Father above. Their lack of faith, see what their lack of faith does? See what discouragement can do? And by the way, I want you to take note of how absolutely poisonous and contagious a lack of faith is. It's spread in the whole, the whole town, the whole, the whole uh, tribes, all of them. They were ready to go. Caleb was like, let's go. And now that night they wept, and their fear increased, and it spread. Why we can't, why we can't, why we can't. And now they're all, they're murmuring against Moses. Moses, you little, can't believe you. And God, you conspire against us. Brother Greg reminds me all the time. He quotes from the late Bob Cook. You ever listen to the late Bob Cook, A Walk with the King? Yeah, I remember that. How many people ever heard, heard Walk with the King? Uh, me too. When I first started going to church, I had a car. Um, I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. And on the way to pick up my friends, I would always put on 88.9 and would listen to his devotion. That was kind of like my discipleship program. And, of course, when I picked up my friends, I shut that off because, you know, I was embarrassed at the time. I just started going to church. Um, but I remember listening to that. He, and he, say, he quotes to me all the time when I'm discouraged or something. He'll say, God didn't bring you this far for nothing. Or God didn't bring you this far to destroy you. Hey, Israel, God didn't bring you this far to destroy you. But it's contagious. Can I also tell you this? When you're filled with naysaying and, and fear, it's, it, it, sometimes you have, to be, you have to have the fear of the Lord, right? We don't want to run ahead of God. We don't want to be like, notice God sent him to the promised land. It wasn't like, hey, look at that promised land. We can take it, and God didn't say anything. There's lots of examples why that's really bad. <clears throat> but this is God sending them. So let's not mistake in that with let's just keep going. <clears throat> but when God sends, and we fear, or we have naysays, we need to keep silent, lest we rob someone else's faith. Now, there's concerning things that we can discuss. You can count the cost, there's no doubt. But understand this, sometimes when God allows you to count the cost, it looks imbalanced until he shows up. Just remember that. <clears throat> Don't poison the minds of others. Keep that faith. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Moses and Aaron do the only thing they know what to do. They turn to God in prayer, in earnest, fervent prayer. They fall on their faces. What happened? It unraveled in one night. Moses and Aaron probably sitting there, Let's, we're going to go to the promised land in a few minutes, and all of a sudden the whole thing unraveled. And what do they do? Do they get into a contest of fighting? No, they on their face before the Lord. Verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which pa we pass through to search it is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. 
Their defenses departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. The two good spies, Caleb and Joshua, they rent their clothes. That was a sign of mourning. That was a sign of, uh, of lamenting. And he says, the land is good. You say the land has got too many people. I'm telling you, the land is good. And if it's the Lord's will to give it to us, he can give it to us. Please, brethren, let us not rebel in this way. Don't let us fear. They are bread for us. They are, they are going to be the spoils for us. Please. They are giants in the land, but what is that to the Lord? God is a giant slayer. Is there anything too tough for our God? Let's take the land he already told us. Our fear is a lack of belief and a lack of trust and a refusal to walk in the provision of the Lord. And what does the book of Proverbs say? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. and He shall direct thy path biblical message what a great challenge certainly they will heed to it right certainly they'll say yes the lord is not against us he's for us let's do it surely caleb and joshua have convinced the congregation haven't they verse 10 but there it is again but all the congregation bade stone them with stones and the glory of the lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of israel after the message of, guys, we can do this, God's got this, shut your mouth. They're going to they're gonna kill him. Whoa. Oh, man. Two Thursday nights ago, we're preaching through the book of Luke, and we're in Luke chapter 4, and Jesus goes to his home synagogue to preach. And he gets up and he, and he speaks out of the book of Isaiah uh, uh, about the Messiah, and he says, today the scriptures are fulfilled in your, in your presence. And they're like, no, you're Joseph's son. And then he's like, and, and he's like, I knew you would say that, and this is why it's going to be opened up to the people who, who to the Gentiles. And then they're going to, then they go to kill Jesus. They take him up a mountain to throw him off the mountain. This is Jesus. They grew up in the congregation. Now they're, good. they're so mad at his message, they're going to throw him off a mountain. Here's the congregation of Israel. Thank you, Moses, for leading us. Thank you, Joshua and Caleb, for helping us. Now we're going to kill you. Because you made us afraid. People are very irrational when they're afraid. Can I, can I give you a piece of advice? Don't make life-changing decisions in the midst of self-fear. It'll be a bad idea. We want to have a reverential fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning. You know, that, that's where we need to be. That's different than fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord and fearing the Lord are different concepts. Now they're ready to kill Moses. They're ready to kill Joshua and Caleb in particular. But then God gets involved and his glory enters the tabernacle. I wonder whose side he's on. Verse 11. And the Lord spake, uh, said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I've shown among them, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And will make of thee a great nation, a mightier than they. He speaks to Moses and he says, How long will this people provoke me? How long will they, will they chide with me? 
How long will they not believe me? Have they not seen all the miracles? Have they not seen what I've done? And now their unbelief is wicked and sinful. And God says, I'm going to disinherit them. I'm disinherit them. I'm going to destroy them. And I'm going to take you, Moses, and I'm going to remake a people. Like I did with Abraham, I will remake it with you. But then Moses steps in, the great mediator for the people. The people are against Moses. They want to get him out of there and get a new leader. Did you see that already? They don't believe God. They don't believe uh, uh, Caleb and Joshua's good report. They don't believe any of that. But Moses steps in. Verse 13. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up this people and the might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that the Lord art among his people, and the Lord art seen face to face, and thy cloud standeth over them, and thou goest before them by daytime, and a pillar of a cloud, and a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because of the Lord was not able to bring the people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according to all that hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according to the greatness of thy mercy, as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. God just offered Moses to be the king of a new people. And this people already hates him. It's really, really easy in the flesh to be like, high five, Lord. I agree. But Moses doesn't. Moses says, Lord, I know that this people is wicked. I know this people is terrible. But if you wipe them out, it'll be a bad testimony for your name and for your power. And you're a God of mercy. And you're a God of forgiveness. And you're a God who, who, who forgives all the people, Lord. You do this. That's who you are. I'm asking you, Lord, pardon them. I know they deserve this, but forgive them, Lord. That's Moses. Verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Man, we can get off on a whole tangent of how, what it is to be a mediator for the people. To stand in the gap for people and say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, but forgive this people. We won't, but it's there. So he says in verse 20, And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein unto he went, and his seed shall possess it. He says, and now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. He says, yes, I forgive them, but the damage is done. Well, they won't possess it. They're not going to possess it. But Caleb will, because he's different. And Joshua too, they'll go in. They'll go in. But tomorrow, I want you to turn around. 
go the other way. Well, he's going to go in, but now the other way. Look at verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken to my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall come into the land concerning which I swear, which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which he said, should be a prey, them will I bring in, that they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in the wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear you whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. And I'll cut short there. He says, you know those children you're afraid of? I'm going to give them the land. You were afraid I couldn't take care of them. But you ain't making it. Now, I'm not going to kill you here. I'm going to allow you to walk around for 40 more years until the last one of you passes away. Then your children and Joshua and Caleb will go in. God says, this is what's going to happen. This is all that is going to happen. Verse 39, uh, Moses tells the people, right? Verse 39 he says, Moses told these sayings unto the people, children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. They realized the error of their ways, verse 40, and they rose up early in the morning and got them to the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we'll go up into the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. The people get up and say, We're sorry, we're sorry, we believe you now. We believe you, we'll go, we're going right now, let's go, we're going right now. Verse 41. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? It shall not prosper. Go, go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not spit before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you're turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. He says, You can't go now, because everything you were afraid of will come. Because the Lord said, he said not to go anymore. Now if you... If you you try to go after the Lord said not to go, you're going to be in trouble. You should have went when he said. Now he's saying not to. You can't go now. That's a bitter pill in it. It happens sometimes, friends. It happens. Thank God the Lord is merciful and gracious. Thank God that when we mess up the plan of God, he's merciful. Thank God when God is... When we mess up and we sin and we don't believe God and we resist God and we, we, we fight against God, we run from God and we go like this to God, la, 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 all of that, because of Christ, he's merciful. The great mediator stands in our way and says, but I paid for their sins, Lord. But man, verse 44, but they presumed to go up into the hill up top. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. They said, we're going anyway. Uh... I ain't going. Verse 45, Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites which dwell in that land, and smote them, and discomfited them, even unto Hormah. They said, we're going anyway, we're going anyway. They went down, and all of a sudden, they got a whooping. Right? Discomfited means they were crushed to pieces. That's what that word means, King James word. Friend, we're wrapping it up now. All they had to do the first time was trust the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Trust in the Lord is not easy because there's real life fears that, we, that stand before us. There's real life concerns 
the walls, the amount of people, the enemy, the children of Anak. Absolutely, they're, they're normalized fears. But if we don't trust God, we miss it. If it were, now you write this down. If it were easy, it wouldn't be faith. Faith's never easy, my friends. I wish I, wish I could say, oh, faith's the easiest thing in the world. No, it's not. Faith often is very fearful. You know why? Because we are finite. And it is difficult for us in our sinful finiteness to trust the holy, righteous, eternal God who is infinite. It's difficult to know how to do that. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to be messed up. I don't want to go ahead of God, but I don't want to not. That, that wasn't where their heart was either, though. They weren't like, I want the Lord's will. They were like, no, we can't. I'm off in this. This is where I am as a person. I don't want to run ahead of God, so I'm not moving. But I don't want to not move and be one of the ten spies. So, so, so Lord, lead me, please. Betwixt. Can I tell you that's a good place to be a lot of times? Because you have to rely on the pillar, the cloud, and the pillar of fire by night. Moses every morning. All right, where are we going today? Uh, okay. Where are we going tonight? Uh, oh, okay. Oh, circle. Okay. Um, circle. Where Next day? Oh, again, hey, I remember this place. I've been here before. One time we were um, going down to camp in um, Tennessee, and uh, we were down going down 95, and there's two van poles going to Billrush Ranch Camp and on, on Route 95, and I was following the pastor. I was, the, I was in the van behind us. And um, we were on 95, and I saw the Washington Monument, right? And, and he missed the exit. An hour and a half later, we're on 95. There's the Washington Monument. Again, somehow we got in that DC loop. You know, hour and a half later, and I thought, I want to kill someone. Hour and a half of DC traffic, and we're back to. It took us 24 hours to get there. We were supposed to go to a church and sleep at the church and wake up for church and go to church with this big church, Franklin Rural Baptist Church. We got there at 5 a.m. We went to sleep for an hour, then we had to wake up and get ready for church. I mean, literally, 24-hour drive. And part of it was Washington Monument. Now, I don't know if that's how Moses felt, but he had to trust the Lord in his following every single step of the way. He didn't know where he was going. God led him. So these people, they doubted, they discouraged others, they denied the leadership. The others, they trusted the Lord. They charged others in faith. They stood against the tides in the majority. Let me ask you this. Which are you? When the Lord is saying, go forth, when the Lord is paving a way, when the Lord's calling you, which are you? Are you the ten spies who have, re who have real good reasons not to? Or are you the two that say, I don't care the reasons, I know the voice of the Lord. Let me say this and we'll be done. When God is paving the way, whatever it is in your life, don't worry about the circumstances. Don't worry about what everyone else says. Don't worry about what everyone else thinks. Don't worry about how difficult it seems. Do what the Lord says. 
The next time God tells you to cross over the Jordan and possess the land, what are you going to say? But the children of Anak are there? Or are you going to say, let's go up once and possess it? Let me reemphasize this. We're talking when we know what the Lord's will is. We're not talking when we're unsure what the Lord's will is. We want to know what the Lord's will is, but when we know what the Lord's will is, are we going to cry out, no, but the children of Anak are there? Or are we going to cry out, let us go up once and possess it? Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. When you hear me preach, you will um, get used to this if you're not already used to it. This is what I call, or what we call, or what they call an invitation. This is a time where you get to contemplate what God is speaking to your heart about right here and now. And I don't know where everybody's spiritual journey is. I don't know if you're a believer. I don't know if you're a seasoned believer. I don't know what God's calling you to or not calling you to. I I don't know those things. A preacher is just the delivery, just the mailman, delivering the mail. But I want to challenge you to respond to however God is leading you. So I always ask a series of questions, followed by an opportunity for you to come forward and be on your face before the Lord, just praying specifically about whatever it is that God may be dealing in your personal life about. So with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, let me ask you this first question, and no one's looking. It's just just between me, you, and the Lord, and I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do. I just want to pray for you. So hear my voice. And hear the Lord speak to you. If you died today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? I wonder if there'd be anybody here who would say, Pastor Jason, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Would you please pray for me? Would you quietly raise your hand that I might pray for you? I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Please pray for me. Is there one like that here today? God bless you. I see your hand. Good. You put, may put it down. Anybody else? I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not sure I've been born again. Is there another like that here tonight, today? Maybe you're here, and you know you're a believer. You know your faith is in Christ. If you would say, God is speaking to my heart about something specific, would you pray that God would allow me to respond like Caleb? Would you pray that God would give me the courage? If you're, if you're, kind of in that mix right now, and you want prayer, can I pray for you if God's working on your heart about something? Would you quietly raise your hand that I can pray for that? I see that hand in that hand, in those hands. Yep, many hands in that hand. Yep, yep, in those hands. You can put them down. Anybody else? That's where I'm at. Would you pray that I would have the Caleb-like spirit, the another spirit, rather than the ten spies? Anyone else wants prayer? God bless you. I see your hand, too. Anybody else? I see your hand, too. God bless you. Anybody else tonight? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand together. The piano's going to play. You have your head bowed, eyes closed. And if you'd like to come forward, come forward. So everyone stand up. Everyone bow your heads. Close your eyes. The piano's going to play. If you'd like to come pray about something, it could be something totally different. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. He can speak to you about whatever he wants. You can step out of your seat. Come pray at the front. Give it over those burdens to the Lord. Maybe you're worried about something. Maybe you're fearful about something. And you want to cast that fear at God's feet. Step out of your seat and come. Maybe you want to pray for empowering. Maybe you want to pray that God's will be known in your life. 
I'll tell you right now, if I was sitting there and I, if, if I was, I would want to, I'd be on my, on my face before the Lord for me. I wish I was immune to fear. I wish I was immune to confusion. I wish I was immune to, to sometimes being cynical and wondering. But I'm not. But I can tell you this, I want God's will. I can promise you this, I want God to work. I don't want to be out of his will. I don't want to be ahead of it, but I don't want to be one of the ten spies. I know who I am, and that's what scares me. But I know who he is. That's what encourages me. So let me encourage you in faith. If God's got something for you to do, do it. God's got somewhere for you to step out in, step out in it. Don't worry about the excuses. Well, the children of Anak are there. The devil always has the children of Anak somewhere. But we have the Lord. We have the Lord. There's still people praying, so you still have a moment. You can pray in your seat. God will hear you. But I always encourage you to step out of your seat because it helps solidify the decisions that are being made. It's a place to look back on and say, yep, I gave it over to the Lord there. I gave it over to God there. All preaching is aimed at a decision and, and the decisions all surround surrender in some way. Hey, listen, let me talk clearly to you now, if, as if I hadn't been already. There's some important decisions every one of us has got to make. There's some important decisions for New Village. There's important decisions for New Hope. There's important decisions for each family here. Colleges, careers, marriages, future. Those are important decisions. May the Lord be in the midst of all of them, and we may be followers of him. Father, we thank you for giving us an opportunity, Lord. Lord, I cast my fears upon you today. I cast my doubts upon you, Lord, that you'd forgive me anytime I am. And Father, there's no, I'm, I'm sure this will not be the last time that I, I'm unsure or I'm nervous about things. But Lord, I want faith. The children of Anak are nothing for you. They are bread for us. And Father, I want the Caleb-like spirit. I want that mountain that belongs to me, Caleb once cried out. So, Father, empower us to be led of the Spirit of God, to be empowered by the hand of God, and, Father, to know what it is your will is, and then, Father, to do. Thank you, Lord, for being so merciful to us. Thank you for forgiving us. Lord, I pray for the one that said, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven. Lord, I pray that you'd open the eyes of their faith today. And Lord, I pray, Father, for each person that raised their hand for one thing or another, I pray that you'd answer them according to your will. Father, we submit all this to you now, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.